Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. Continuing our divisional recaps of the 2021 NFL Draft, we're we're picking a new division in the NFL every single day over the next two weeks, and we're breaking down their draft classes. We're, what we have is three categories, three superlatives, if you will. We're talking about best pick, the most improved position group, and then potential biggest draft regret. So we're doing that, putting a microscope on all of the draft classes that happened in the 2021 NFL draft. Today, we have the NFC South. So division I am very familiar with, who I am excited to get the opinion of Ben's as well. And with that, I bring in my esteemed co-host. Ben, how are you, my friend? Oh, everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. Uh, We go to Trevor live for his reaction to Tom Brady, evil, glowing Superman eyes. (laughs) I saw that he made that his his, his profile picture because people wanted him to do it. Ben, you, you know you also have a evil glowing superman eyes picture that's out there oh freaking oh yeah anybody who's not a tdm premium member firstly <laughs> enemy of the podcast secondly uh there's an account i forget who runs it i always forget because i just know them as Solak untethered which is their screen <laughs> name and it's just my profile photo just with the red eyes put over the eyes and anytime i say anything in the premium is lag he's just right there he's just ready to go and he just has his his He's he's my conscious. He's my inhibited commentary that I never share, and he's uh, he speaks my mind, you know unfettered what? and untethered. I don't have one of those picks out there. I don't think, and that makes me sad because wow. that means that people don't there care enough be to a roast me. Sikama untethered account in the premium Slack by the end of business. Today. I hope I I want I I want the picture of I don't I don't know which pro which which pick you're gonna use, but something with the evil Superman eyes. Somebody in the premium Slack. Get in on it. I want to feel included. Roast me out here. I want to feel part of the friend, part of the family. I do. We're starting okay. with the Atlanta, we're starting with the Atlanta Falcons today. New head coach Arthur Smith, new general manager Terry Fontenot. Had a pretty strong draft class. Started at number four overall. They ended up not trading back, so like the Kyle Pitts, uh, the tight end out of Florida. Followed it up with Richie Grant, the safety from UCF in the second round. Jalen Mayfield, the offensive attacker from Michigan in the third round. Two fourth-round picks. Darren Hall, the corner from San Diego State. Andrew Dahlman, the center from Stanford. Three fifth-round picks. Taquan Graham, the edge rusher out of Texas. Oh, man. I actually don't know how to say his name. Do you know? Adetokumbo Ogundeji. Oh, I knew knew you'd come up clutch, I like him. He's a good player. I I knew you'd come up clutch for me. The edge rusher from Notre Dame. And then Avery Williams, the corner from Boise State, uh, in, in, in with their final fifth round pick. Don't worry, Ben. I got that one. I got Avery Williams. Yeah, you, Avery Williams. I'm yeah, all you, over it. You, no you, you, you can take the day off. You're good there. Sixth round pick. They rounded it out with Frank Darby, the wide receiver from Arizona State. Ben, where are we starting here? What was the best selection for the Atlanta Falcons? So it's. I think it's Drew Dahlman, uh, the center out of Stanford, who I, I would have guessed would have been a, a day two pick. He makes it into round four. They stop his fall. Uh, the tricky thing is this. Dolman is charitably listed at 300 pounds. He's pro- he's definitely like 290 something. Uh, they have in hand another 
middle round pick in Matt Hennessy, who was a third round pick last year, I want to say, out of Temple. Uh, and he also, another player who is charitably, charitably. listed over 300 pounds. Uh, I, he, maybe he's masked up after a year in the league. Hopefully he has. Um, but Hennessy felt like a clear center prospect given his size. And then they bring in Dolman, who I think is a clear center prospect given his size. So I like the Dolman pick. I'll like it even more if Hennessy can play one of the guard spots. I'm not sure that he can. As it is, uh, I like it. I think that Dolman has the ability to win that center job. Hennessy, I think, played some guard last year when Alex Mack was there. And so I, I think you like that that transition idea. It's not what we saw from Arthur Smith in terms of the size on his offensive line when he was in Tennessee, but it is objectively good players. So uh, I do like the Dolman pick. Obviously, like, you know, Kyle Pitts is the man that took him four overall. Like, that's a great pick because Kyle Pitts is awesome. I just, you know, we've talked about how valuable that tight end role is really going to be and how much Pitts is really going to be for them. And so I wanted to take it a different direction because I think that the Pitts pick has a lot more around it with like potential biggest regret then uh right it does the, the the whole best pick conversation so i i have two names down and, and and it sounds like we see the falcons draft class very eye to eye because the two names that i have down are drew dahlman and kyle pitts because if you're staying at number four overall pick the best player there and i think that kyle pitts was the correct selection at number four he's going to give them such a big impact i feel like arthur smith he's a guy who really knows how to utilize tight ends he's one of those coaches who it, it's not going to take Kyle Pitts very long to get acclimated to the NFL, get emphasized, and even in a passing offense that has Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley to it as well, they're going to get Kyle Pitts the ball a lot, and he's going to give a lot back to them in return. So I'm very excited about that. I think it's a good fit. I think it's a great pick. This was the right talent acquisition move if they were stay, staying at number four overall. So I think that that's objectively a good pick for them there. But Dalman, you're right. I, I, I feel like was a, a great value selection for them. I think... Did think it was interesting, and if you didn't, if you didn't note this, I was going to how different in size uh, the, the Tennessee Titans' offensive line preferences were yep. uh, to what a Dalman selection would be for the Atlanta Falcons. And yeah, I'm sure that they're going to want to get him a lot closer to 300 because his ability to anchor is is going to be very important. You can't get pushed from that center spot, and you can't collapse the pocket from the inside out. I mean, that's just a nightmare for any quarterback, especially one that likes to hang in there like Matt Ryan does. So he's got to gain some weight. I think he's got to gain some strength, his ability to anchor before he really starts to consistently start in the NFL. But you like his tape. I think he, I think he's a really nice center prospect. I think he's poised. I think he's polished. I think he knows what he's doing. He moves really, really well, as you would hope to be the case for somebody who's 290, 295, whatever it ends up being with him. So those are the two selections that I mentioned as, as the best. I agree with you there. Position group that was most improved, though. Does it have to do with these players, or is it different? Because for me, it's different. I, I just went with running back. Because I don't think any position groups got better. You know, it's kind of like that. Uh, wait, they didn't. Ch- wait, they didn't pick a running back. They didn't pick a running back. They added Mike Davis after losing Todd Gurley and Brian. Oh, Hill. so you're saying in free agency? Yeah, most improved position group includes free agency on the draft. I didn't know that we changed the name of the podcast to Locked On Free Agency. It says most improved position group, Trevor. What's the position group that got better? Secondary. They added secondary players. They added Richie Grant. They added Darren Hall. And even though you can sit here and, you know, we, we were kind of, at least I was kind of skeptical about Richie Grant going to the NFL. And so him going number 40 overall, especially above Trayvon Merrick, I was like, mm, 
okay. Them adding Richie Grant and Darren Hall with two, I almost said two top 100 picks, but Darren Hall was technically 108. So two top 110 picks, as we often put the bar. Uh, I, I think that that is the most improved position group because they're losing a lot of experienced players in the secondary. Um, moving on from Keanu Neal, moving on from DeMonte Casey, you have AJ Terrell starting on one side, but I, I really feel like they had to make multiple additions to the secondary, and they did. Now, whether or not these players pan out the way they want them to, that's, of course, a different story. Their careers have to tell that story. But I, I think for as much as they really needed in the secondary when it came to potential starters and depth, I think that just secondary overall is where they got better. Um, I also I, I forgot to mention Avery Williams in that group, too. So they added three different secondary players who I think are very going to be very important towards either much-needed depth or starting roles that might manifest over uh, the next couple of months here. So I, I think that it's secondary. You know who else they added in the secondary, though? Eric Harris. Okay. Deron Harmon. Okay. Fabian Moreau. Okay. No, I, I, when I put... Uh, most improved as the the superlative. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of free agency in the draft. I'm okay. sorry if I didn't make that clear. Yeah, no, I, it's um, fine. It's fine. I wasn't just because of the name of the podcast is locked on NFL draft, and you know we were. It was a, it's a it's a post draft segment, so I you know was under the impression that when it came to most improved position groups, that we were going to talk about the NFL draft on locked on NFL draft. So that's what uh, you know. That's probably my bad, actually. The name of the podcast, sir. Is locked on NFL giraffe. We've been over this that's, many times. That's a great point. Which uh, uh, which giraffe got got better this week? Yeah. Uh, so I put running back because obviously, like I don't know how much running back actually got better. Losing Brian Hill and Todd Gurley is a lot of carries. But you bring in Mike Davis and then also Cordero Patterson, who I don't know what his touch distribution will look like, but he'll definitely get some carries in the backfield. Uh, and so that. But in general, right? I don't think the team got better. Across the board, um, and their corner situation, which you brought up, is still conditional on the development of Isaiah Oliver, Kendall Sheffield, and it AJ is. Terrell. It is. Uh, it's been their, their their three picks there over the last three seasons, uh, and so you'd like for Darren Hall or Avery Williams to be able to develop as well, but it's just a ton of youth, and the onus on on Dean Pease is going to be to figure out who can actually hang because they blitz a lot in that approach. There's not going to be much help, so you got to be able to play man, you got to be able to track guys across the field, and that's. That can be tricky, uh, and so it, it it is a big ask. I think corner is going to be a position that that we see the Falcons go after aggressively in the future. It's not my biggest regret because I think that your biggest draft regret, not right now, but potentially will be quarterback of the future, which obviously is something we talked about a ton. Uh, Kyle Pitts at four. I think there. I think Pitts is extremely high floor, especially in that offense where tight ends take a lot of snaps. I think that he's going to be a clear receiving threat. Um, I would imagine they find ways to use him downfield more than they used tight ends in the Tennessee approach, but they're obviously going to feature him. They made the investment. Um, If you don't ever have a competing season again with Matt Ryan in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. then you should have taken a quarterback, and that's a very real possibility. And so there's a a chance that you end up looking back at this class and just thinking, all right, cool, we got Kyle Pitts. We like that we got Kyle Pitts. But for our long-term organizational health, Justin Fields probably made a little more sense. Yeah, and I'll I'll take it even further than that, not necess- not even just picking a quarterback at number four, which I totally agree with you there. That, that could be a big draft regret. But also picking at four just in general, because from what we learned over the last two months, 
there were no shortage of teams calling the Atlanta Falcons for Mm -hmm. that number four overall spot. So if they were going to pick a quarterback, I think the conversation is a little different. And I wonder what would have happened had Trey Lance been on the board. I wonder if they would have made the selection of Lance if that happened. But obviously he goes three. You've got two quarterbacks still on the board in Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And these are two guys that went outside the top 10. So it's not like they were going immediately after this. You even had some teams after number four, like the Detroit Lions, like the Carolina Panthers, like maybe even the Denver Broncos who would have traded down, who it just doesn't seem like there were a lot of offers there. Maybe there just wasn't the interest. But I wonder if Atlanta outpriced themselves into moving back and acquiring a lot of draft capital in the future. Maybe that's not the case. But if it was, and they stayed there and they picked Kyle Pitts, I love Kyle Pitts, you love Kyle Pitts, everybody loves Kyle Pitts. But would that have been the right move for this team, just picking a one player here at number four? I I don't know the answer to that. And so this is one that might be a draft regret, but we, we might never know the answer to it because we don't know exactly what the deals have been. Maybe before the draft, the deals were a lot better because there wasn't certainty of who, which quarterback was going to be on the board at number four. But like I just said, maybe the Falcons didn't want to move from number four because they genuinely thought they'd have a chance to take Trey Lance, and maybe they would have. So this is this is kind of a hypothetical biggest draft regret, but right. there are a lot of things that I think are going to play out over the next couple of years, and not just player careers, but also maybe some stories that we'll uncover of deals that the Falcons either started or said no to, where we might look at it and be like, "Wow, that like that's they said no to that for one player in Kyle Pitts." Okay, he better be worth it. So I think that that's the that's the biggest potential area of regret for me. Yeah, high expectations for Pitts, which, like, great player, but yep. high expectations always makes things tough. Yeah, no doubt. Carolina Panthers, let's talk about them next. A lot of picks here for the Panthers. Tied for the most picks in the NFL with 11. First round, they went J.C. Horn, the corner out of South Carolina. Second round, Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver from LSU. Third round, they had two picks. Tommy Tremble, the tight end from Notre Dame. Brady Christensen, the offensive tackle from BYU. Fourth round. Chuba Hubbard, the running back from Oklahoma State. Fifth round, they had two selections. Davian Nixon, the interior defensive lineman from Iowa. And the Keith Taylor, the corner from Washington. Sixth round, three selections. Deontay Brown, the interior offensive lineman from Alabama. Shai Smith, the wide receiver from South Carolina. And then Thomas Fletcher, getting some long snapper love here from Alabama there in the sixth round. And then their final selection, Phil Hoskins, the defensive tackle from Kentucky. And there were a lot of picks here. There was a lot of movement as well from the Carolina Panthers trading back a couple of times in the second round to Mm -hmm. acquire a lot of different picks. I thought that Scott Fitterer did a great job in his first year as GM there, navigating the draft with a lot of confidence. But when you think of best pick for the Panthers, where does your eyes go to first? Deontay Brown, baby. Sixth round pick. Fire hydrant build. Man is a cube out of Alabama. (laughs) Man is a cube. Love Deontay Brown. Uh, I had him in my top five interior offensive linemen. Think that he can be a starter in a power-based system. Think that he can be a road grader for you. A guy you want to run the football behind. Now, the nice thing about Brown in Carolina is I don't think either guard spot is solidified. They signed Pat Elfline in free agency this year. Uh, so you'll compete with John Miller. You have Dennis Daly, who was a sixth-round pick in 2019. That's probably not accurate. I played tackle in the college level, kick inside the guard. Neither one of those guys have the jobs locked up. And so Brown gets to compete 
for a starting role. And he doesn't even have to be the best. He got to be the second best. And I think that he can take one of those starting guard roles. So you're potentially getting a week one starter in round six and not for terrible depth. Like it's decent. It's not like it's like going to be an easy position win. Like Elfline's played better the last couple of years. Daly's been okay when he started. You know what I mean? It's like if Brown wins that job, it's because he, he can do what he did at Alabama. Uh, and so I really like them getting Brown in the sixth round. And they also get David Moore in undrafted free agency, who I had as like a round four grade. And again, it's a guy I think that you want in one of your guard positions, especially if you're going to pull guys and you're going to ask him to down block and you're going to ask him to, to road grade. So they've got the ability, I think, now to really run the football. they got some meet up front. So that's exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, Deontay Brown is my pick as well. But if it wasn't Deontay Brown, it'd be Brady Christensen. And then if it wasn't Brady Christensen in the third round, it'd be getting David Morris an undrafted free agent. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, that's, that is the position. I don't group. have offensive line as my most improved position group for them, but they did a lot of work this year on offensive line. That's I, awesome. I, I did. I had, I had two position groups written down and, and I'm, I'm not going to give away my other one because I want to hear which one yours is. Cause I wonder if it's the same, but it, it has to be offensive line for me because they, if, if you include free agency, like Ben so rebelliously does, then they add a pad elf line. They added these three guys. I mean, like it's it, they they went into this offseason clearly wanting to get better along the offensive line, uh, clearly wanting to get better in a lot of ways, and they set their hearts and minds to it, and, and they made it happen. I, I could not believe that Deontay Brown was there available for them in the sixth round. That is crazy. Like you said, he has a position where he could absolutely earn a starting job right away. I mean, it depends what happens at left tackle. You mentioned a couple of the players that could be in line for that guard spot. Dennis Daly, Pat Elfline, John Miller. You know, like these are guys that they could potentially play there. But also, you got to look at Cam Irving, who's had a lot of experience playing a lot of different spots, both in college and the NFL. Greg Little as well. Like if Brady Christensen wins that left tackle job, then there's a chance that they might just kick Greg Little inside. So then he'll become competition for an interior offensive line spot as well but all that to say I mean like this is a good problem to have right if you got a lot of good competition there in the interior that's not something that was the case for Carolina is uh, last year so I think that no matter what it, it, you throw David Moore's name in there as well this offensive line got way better I thought that Christensen was going to go earlier mm-hmm. than he did I thought Deontay Brown was going to go earlier than he did I thought David Moore was going to get drafted for sure and here we are sitting looking at the Carolina Panthers depth chart and they got all three guys at great value. Anytime you can come away with one, let alone two, let alone three offensive line additions in the draft that you would Four. consider great value, I think that's a huge win. So it's either Deontay Brown or Brady Christensen for me, and I think that offensive mm-hmm. line is the most improved position. Yeah, so offensive line is a, is, a, is a 100% worthy mention, and I think that if their line does get better, uh, in terms of, of, you know, they have to have some of these guys get the starting job. You know what I mean? If Cam Irving and Brady Christensen can't beat out Greg Little this year and if Brown can't beat out Daly and whatever, then you kind of are where you were. Um, but still, depth is going to be better, and I think they can get a starter or two out of this. I want to mention tight end because I think that there was a clear orientation on getting more juice there. They had Ian Definitely. Thomas, who was a, a guy a lot of people liked out of Indiana who struggled to hit in the pros, and they had Chris Manners, who's just a tackle. You know what I mean? Just a, just a blocker, and it's great, and it's cool, but... They want to have a receiving threat from that position. It's very clear that they do because they add Dan Arnold in free agency, which, you know, Dan Arnold isn't necessarily a super buzzy name. Um, but he had, more, years. he had more production than Ian Thomas did the year before. So Yeah, and, and they, they threw it a lot more there. But Arnold can be a receiving threat for you. And then they go and they draft Tommy Tremble in what, round three? three. Yeah. Yeah. 
not a not a small investment in in tight end and, and trembles nice because of the versatility that he gives you you don't really get that as much from arnold and thomas who are much more so with receiving threats but this is now a three like these are two tight ends who have starting experience uh, who are receivers in the league and have at least established themselves as such obviously thomas a little bit of a disappointment relative to expectation he was given the opportunity to win the starting job but you have those two guys then you have tremble who's a day two pick who Brings you a ton of versatility. Has that can block and block inline, can go and stock block, can be a motion player. Like they invested a ton in tight end. Now, how much does this matter? It, it remains to be seen. Um, but their wide receiver room, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall. I mean, it's all vertical players and it's all ready to go downfield and whatever. I do wonder to what degree they're going to try to use guy like Tremble or guy like Arnold in the play action game with motion attached to the line of scrimmage and just get cheesy yardage, just get free stuff from them because you can obviously throw those routes to more as well. And Anderson was really good underneath stuff as well. But I, I look at the way that they've addressed tight end and I say to myself, they clearly want something more to the position. And I don't have a perfect memory of what Thaddeus Moss did for the LSU offense two years ago, but I wonder if it's kind of barking up that tree or for something else. Regardless, this team wanted to get better at tight end. Very, very clear. I, and I think they did so. And so I'm curious to see what Joe Brady does with his tight ends next season. Yeah, I had pass catchers just in general because not only did you highlight the Tommy Tremble pick very well, but also getting Terrace Marshall, a player who has experience both in the slot and on the outside, a guy who is familiar with Joe Brady and and, and getting to plug him in there for the missing Curtis Samuel snaps, I think was really nice of them. And then for them to get Shai Smith in the sixth round, man, I thought that Shai Smith was really held back by a bad quarterback group at South Carolina during his entire tenure there. I think that he is a much higher ceiling player than, than what he was able to show at South Carolina. It was kind of similar to how we talked about Brian Edwards the year before. Unfortunately, Brian Edwards just has a lot of injuries that, they, that he continues to have to battle through. But I really like the Smith selection in the sixth round, too. So I think that pass catcher in general, offensive line and pass catcher, you know, this is a team that drafted every single player last year was from the defense side of the football. And this year, we're sitting here looking at their draft hall saying that offensive line and pass catchers in general are the two areas that they improved the most. And I think that that's really important. I think that that's very, that's a, a very good, well-rounded start to the Matt Rule tenure in Carolina. I think that they are building this thing the right way. Before we get on to our next team, got to remind people that Bet Online is the fast and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can get all of the news, the odds, the info for all of your sports betting needs when it comes to MLB, NHL, NBA, even UFC and MMA too. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as your team's prep for those playoff runs. Head to their website or use your mobile device today today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code lockadone locked on all caps one word bet online your online sportsbook experts let's talk about the new orleans saints next this is a team that doesn't often have a lot of picks to discuss and this year is not really any different they had one two three four five six selections wow this feels like a lot for a saints draft actually First round, they went with Peyton Turner, the edge rusher out of Houston. Then the second round, Pete Warner, the linebacker from Ohio State. Paulson Adebo, the corner from Stanford in the third round. Ian Book. Ian Book! The quarterback from Notre Dame in the fourth round. Landon Young, the offensive tackle from Kentucky. And then Kawan Baker, the wide receiver from South Alabama. Then where are we starting here? What's your best pick? Ian Book, baby. 
quarterback of the future. Precise passing. No. Uh, I was going to say, we're about big disagree if that's the case. Yeah. Paulson Adebo probably uh, conceived of corner two. Outside corner is the biggest need for the Saints coming in. Thought that they would be justified even slightly reaching if they went for that pick in the first round. They don't. Peyton Turner, so we got to get our, ourselves a Trey Hendrickson, Marcus Davenport replacement. And then they, they bring in Pete Werner, who's a player that I like, who... We know that depth behind Demario Davis has just been a nightmare for this team in general, trying to figure it out. Uh, and so I, I do like Pete Werner's ability to come in and start for them and develop into, into a three-down player, uh, which I, I think he's ready to be a three-down player now, but you have Demario Davis, and so you're going to be able to bring him along slowly. With that said, you needed to get corner eventually. I thought Adebo was one of the most desirable of the day two corners. I think that he can play off at a very high level, uh, uh, ball skills, receiver-like ability, given uh, his background as a high school athlete needs to become better, more comfortable, impressed man, and understand the limits of his speed, which could be what keeps him at a, a corner two ceiling in the league. But when you're playing opposite Marshawn Lattimore, you will only be playing corner two. And I think that that's nice. And so there's reason why he's a third round pick. And I think this is a, a, a on the edge of his range, on the lower edge of his range, but still an acceptable spot to draft him. He's just a good player for the Saints to grab because they needed to go and get that corner. And they did. So Paulson Adebo, best pick of the draft for me. Yeah, that's uh, I agree. Uh, Paulson and Debo. I think the only other real option is Pete Werner, and and you could certainly argue Pete Werner if you want. It's funny because I have Paulson and Debo as my favorite selection for the New Orleans Saints, and yet I have linebacker as their most improved group because I think that Pete Werner has a chance to start next to Demario Davis, and I think that he has a chance to bring the Saints a lot of what they've been searching for with consistency and in, in, in pass coverage and instincts next to Davis because Davis has been playing really well for a really long time. They've just needed some competent players who, I mean, let's face it, can stay healthy next to Demario Davis. And if that's the case with Pete Warner, I think that they've got their two sub-package linebackers that they don't have to take off the field. I think that that's the most advantageous ad for them. And so I think that linebacker was the position that was most impacted by the draft, but I still like the Adebo selection a little bit more Maybe if just a hair, because I, I like the mentality there. You know, this is a player who has a great ball skills background. He's a former wide receiver who converted over to corner about three or four years ago. And it man, he let he let that show in his first year as a starter with Stanford. And I think that we watched him back in when was this? Twenty nineteen? Was that the it was that year or was it eighteen? No way it was eighteen. Right? Eighteen. No 18, way. 18 was the home run year for Adebo. Yeah, because then 19 was not as good, and then he went back to school for 2020. Damn, dude, we're old. Yeah, so the 2018, <laughs> the 2018 year for Adebo, I feel like he he just he balled out when he wasn't draft eligible. You know what I'm saying? And I think the timing right. is always weird with that. And then all of a sudden, we're sitting here three years later. It's like, okay, he didn't have as good of a year the year that followed. That's okay. That's fine. He just didn't get the hype. And then goes back for 2020. We're sitting here thinking like, oh, Paulson Adiba is still here. I don't, I don't really care about him. I still think he's a good player. You know, we watched his tape when we were going over uh, our, our final rankings and emails. And I'm like, man, this guy is still really good. Like, he didn't he didn't take that 2018 year and use it as a baseline to take this leap up into this, like, corner one category or, like, top 15 pick, but I still think he's a really good corner. I, I think that he he is what the Saints need, moving on from Janoris Jenkins, playing opposite Marcus Williams. He gives you that attitude. He gives you that mentality to go get the ball and create the turnovers, and I think that's what the Saints defense covets most anyways, and for that, I think he is the best selection as well for the Saints. Most improved position group in New Orleans? I said linebacker. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was on linebacker as well. Why linebacker for you? So I just think that 
Werner, sorry, I was taking a glass of water. Um, oh no, I screwed you up asking you a question. That's you did. <laughs> this is just trying to, you know, roll, roll with the punches with good hosts do. Um, I think that Warner just gives them the ability to have a starter opposite Demario Davis. As long as he is healthy, this is your sub package linebacker. You don't really have to worry about it too much. He gives you the coverage consistency that you're looking for. At least you hope. Maybe not as a rookie, of course, because he's moving into the NFL. But I think he gives you that coverage profile that you're really looking for. And he's a starter. I really do think that, that Pete Warner can absolutely be a day one starter for this team. And that's why I think linebacker was the position group that was improved the most. Because he's going to be able to give you the most in day, on day one, which is important for a team that's winning window is closing. Like You're still trying to put the best team out there possible. And with not a lot of experience next to Demario Davis, I think that this, te- this, this selection was really important for them. And it can have a big-time impact. So I think that this is the most improved here. Right. The it, the difficulty with most improved, because obviously I'm looking at free agents as well, is they added Nick Vanett at tight end uh, to replace Jared Cook. Danuk Bassigno. They re-signed P.J. Williams. They brought in Alex Arma. And they re-signed Will Clapp. Just, just not a year for free agent spending, which obviously it was never going to be for the Saints, given the COVID cap situation yeah, and how they, they had managed. What, what were they, like $90 million over the cap or something? Yeah, right, exactly. And so... You lose Janoris Jenkins, you lose Trey Hendrickson, you lose Emmanuel Sanders, you lose Alex Anzalone, you lose Josh Hill. You're trying to make some replacements with with lower-level free agents, but in general, your roster just looks about the same, and at a few positions, depth is weaker. If not, you know, you've had a change at starter, and it's got a little bit weaker. So it's probably linebacker, where I think Alex Anzalone out, Pete Werner in, and also Quan Alexander out, but, you know, the whole Quan thing was just, he's just not healthy. Uh, So... Anzalone out, Warner in, Zach Bond in year two. It's probably linebacker. It's not edge, even though I really like Peyton Turner and Henderson was a little overrated. Like, it's not wide receiver. They didn't really add anybody to play Sanders. So it's probably linebacker, like, by default. Uh, I was going to be spicy, but I like quarterback. But <laughs> please <no>. don't. <laughs> yeah, quarterback, it, quarterback is my biggest regret for them. How so? Why are you taking Ian Book in the fourth round? The, uh, you know what that that that's a fair question right no, like that, that's like a reasonable question what are what, what is the point of this you have you there are not enough snaps to figure out what you have here and then you're going to go into next year with this weird ass false hope of oh yeah but what about Ian Boogie was a fourth round pick last year because you're you're going to go into next year if Jameis is meh if Taysom Hill is meh then you're just going to be sitting here trying to replace the quarterback anyways and if there is anything that puts in your mind keeping you from doing what you need to do at quarterback because you drafted Ian Book in the fourth round, way over drafted him in the fourth round, then it's a bad selection. I don't know how Ian Book even has any kind of impact on this team next year because he's just not going to get the practice reps unless either of the two quarterbacks in Hill and Winston are that bad, in which case you have another problem, a much bigger problem. I, I don't see how this pick helped the Saints out at all. And it wasn't just like, this isn't a flyer Sixth or seventh round pick. Like, I, I didn't even know if Ian Book was going to get drafted. This is a team that does not have a lot of draft picks. Does not have a lot of capital to spend in free agency, as Ben noted. And you're out here using fourth round picks, just throwing away like his toilet paper. What What do you, how, how is this smart at all whatsoever? I don't understand. The Ian, I, I laughed at the Ian Book pick when it happened on draft weekend. 
And it just it continues to look worse. This is a team that does not have a lot of draft capital traditionally. And they don't have a lot of money to spend in free agency. They're near the end of a winning window. They should be absolutely going all in as much as possible. And instead, they used a fourth-round pick on Ian Book. Mm-hmm. Why? My biggest regret, uh, which is a little bit more of a long-term view, but it still applies, is what they have done at wide receiver behind Michael Thomas. Uh, so when it was Breeze, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders for a couple of years. Or was it one year for Sanders? I can't remember. Regardless, uh, the objective was to get another you know, separator and a, a short to intermediate guy and create after the catch and, and, and be good on his timing. Cause that's what breeze does. And Thomas, who they gave a humongous extension to is, is really, really good at those slants and those curls, but obviously a little bit of a different route distribution depth of target than we typically see from a star receiver. It makes a lot of sense with a quarterback like breeze. Well, breeze isn't there anymore. Uh, it's Jameis now and when, and Thomas doesn't really make sense with Winston uh, in terms of what routes he wins on and what routes Winston wins on. If it's Taysom Hill, you know what I mean? Like, I have no idea what Taysom Hill wins on, so I can't really calibrate to that. Uh, They've floated around with Traquan Smith as, like, a good blocker plus kind of field stretcher, but he's really inconsistent. Uh, Deontay Harris they have rostered because he's a a a returner. Uh, You know, he's got great special teams ability. Okay, Lil' Jordan Humphrey, big slot. Juwan Johnson, big slot. Like, all these late-round picks. Marquez Callaway, field stretcher. None of these guys have established themselves into roles. None of them have been good for consistent stretches. All of them are not signed through 2022. Only Marquez Callaway, right now, is the only other Saints wide receiver with a contract through 2022. Besides the guys they just brought in. Quan Baker, the South Alabama kid, who was a undrafted free agent no seventh round pick uh nobody through 2022 so we would what who once we lose breeze whoever we bring in a quarterback is going to need receivers like you gotta you, you can't just nobody else is breeze nobody else can just get this done you didn't take this position seriously in terms of young developmental players and now i think you're gonna start paying for it which uh, if you get money next year and you're able to sign a couple young free agents and those guys hit sure but that's a huge ask uh, just behind thomas this is a really really weak wide receiver death chart and now that you've lost breeze i think it's going to get exposed uh especially if it's winston who's trying to be out there just yeet downfield balls to five foot eight right. to harris and right. four seven 40 yard dash soldier Jordan humphrey it's not gonna work right uh they need to invest in early pick and wide receiver and actually have it hit uh, and that's been true for the last couple of years. And the longer they don't do it, the more dire the need becomes. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers for online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They got everything, whether it's an engine control module, motor oil, tail lamps, brake parts, new carpet, whatever it is that you're looking for, whether it is a fixer or an upgrade, rockauto.com's got you. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts that they have available for your car or truck. Right locked on NFL Draft in their little how did you hear about us section so they know that we sent you that way. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts that you are ever going to need over at rockauto.com. Final team, it's the team, the reigning Super Bowl champions. 
It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First round, they went with Joe Tryon, the edge rusher out of Washington. Second round, Kyle Trask, the quarterback from Florida. Third round, Robert Hainsey, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Fourth round, Jalen Darden, the wide receiver from North Texas. Fifth round, K.J. Britt, linebacker from Auburn. Seventh round, they had two picks. Chris Wilcox, the cornerback from BYU. And then Grant Stewart, the linebacker from Houston. Ben, it was an interesting draft. We, we talked a little bit about this yesterday with the Cleveland Browns where you go into the NFL draft and you think, oh man, not, not a lot of needs on this team. It's the same thing for the Buccaneers, maybe even more so than the Cleveland Browns. What was your favorite pick from them? I really like the Jalen Darden pick. Uh, if you have a really loaded roster, draft special teams players, mm. <laughs> which is just like dumb. But also, Darden's going to be able to challenge for the returning roles, which... Scott Miller, Scotty Miller, Antoine Winfield. There's nothing wrong with those guys as returners, but I think that you can improve upon them. And I think Darden gives you that ability. Uh, quick as a wink. Uh, I think that he's got the necessary long speed to get it done as well. Uh, he's a little bit of a, a short strider. And you obviously you want your returner to be able to win foot races, but I, I think he can get it done. Uh, and that's going to help him stick on the wide receiver depth chart where you would say, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, Evans, Godwin, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, not going anywhere. So no, at best, no. you're fighting for wide receiver five. Right. Uh, and so you need that special teams value to hit. And so, okay, fourth round pick on returner plus depth receiver. That's usually earlier than we'd like to do it. But, hey, didn't really have anything else to do. Uh, and so go and get Darden, who's electric as heck and was a you know North Texas kind of a, a lower level player. You know, don't know exactly what he's going to be in the pros. Take the swing. Uh, and so my favorite pick was the Darden pick if not for the fact that it's the easiest player to right now be like, he'll have this year one impact as opposed to everybody else where it's like, all right, in two years, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the nature of their roster. No, I agree. And, and I, I thought about the Jalen Darden selection because of what you highlighted there. There's a good chance that he can make a contribution to this roster in year one. And if he is going to be wide receiver five, if they're going to keep that many, if that's what they want, which I think that they're going to, in the on the regular season game day roster, he's going to have to pay, play special teams, whether it's as a returner or a gunner or something. Like he's going to have to have multiple roles, and he can do that. So you're not just getting a offensive or defensive player that you're trying to bring in who's not very good at special teams. This dude, I think, helps round out your special teams unit, which we'll get to in a second. I think that Joe Tryon and the Robert Hainsey selections are, are the best two for the Buccaneers, and I think that I wanted to highlight both of them because they made so much sense. This is exactly the kind of players that Tampa needed because all of their starting spots are all accounted for. All 22 starters on offense and defense, they're coming back. They get all of these guys. Now, what's important is what happens if one of them goes down. The Buccaneers were extremely lucky last year in that not a lot of players got hurt, especially along the trenches. And for offensive line, it's hard to think that you're going to get that lucky again. Robert Hainsey has... Many years of starting at Notre Dame. He's got 34 starts under his belt at right tackle for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But a lot of people think, okay, you know, he's probably more of a guard at the NFL level. Well, okay, that, that that's fine. It's, it's not like when you throw him out there, say if Alex Kappa gets hurt or Ali Marpet gets hurt or um, even if like Tristan Wirfs gets hurt. Is Robert Hainsey going to be as good as any of those guys? No, of course he's not. But he's not going to be overwhelmed learning live reps for the first time in a long time. He's got so much experience there. Yeah, there's going to be a rookie adjustment for him like there is for everybody else, but it's not like the moment's going to be too big for him. He's played plenty for a really prestigious football program. So I thought that that was a great selection for them. He gives them versatility and starting experience. And then Joe Tryon was the perfect pick. He gives them high upside as an athlete for an outside linebacker position that did not have a lot of depth to it. 
Jason Pierre-Paul, he's probably not going anywhere for a couple of years. Shaq Barrett, you hope he's not going anywhere for even longer than that. But you've got to get better depth behind there. You've got to be able to have a pass rush rotation. I thought that Joe Tryon was the perfect player as a stand-up outside linebacker type pass rusher to throw into a Todd Bowles defense where they can use him in a lot of different ways. And I thought those two selections were home runs for him. You mentioned special teams being a big part of why this draft was so great for Tampa Bay. And that's actually my most improved position group. It's special teams for the Buccaneers. Oh, wow. Big brain. Jalen Darden's playing special teams. KJ Britt is playing special teams. Chris Wilcox, special teams. Wilcox, Grant, I was Grant, say, yeah. Grant Stewart, special teams. Both of the all of the their final four selections in this draft were all guys that they could be not just contributor to some special teams. The sole reason why you drafted them as special teams. It's not like they're drafting now. I don't mean this in any like disrespect kind of a way to KJ Britt or Chris Chris Wilcox. They're going to have as, as much of an opportunity as any over the next couple of training camps and preseasons to really stick on the reg, on the uh, regular season roster and and see if they can get in on the field on offense and, and defense, but or defense for those two guys. But the whole reason why you pick them over this winning window is because they're going to give you a lot in special teams. And like you said at the top, for a team that already has all of their starters solidified on both sides of the ball. Make sure you're not losing that X-factor third phase of the game. And I think that Tampa did exactly that. And so it was, it was, a, it was almost a near-perfect draft, I think, for the Buccaneers in the kind of players that they went to get. So that was my most improved position group. What was yours? Man, yeah. I, I did not do the cheating game of special teams. Though, I was actually really like that. It was a very good way of doing it. I respect it immensely. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I know. I like the improvement to the interior offensive line depth, which obviously the one free agent signing that did not work for the Bucks last year was Joe Haig, right? In terms of, I mean, like he probably still worked, but it was just like you didn't really get much out of him. Didn't need him, thank goodness. Uh, the Bucks had really, really good injury situation last year. You don't expect to have that again. You bring in Hainsey, who you brought up, I think could be a guard backup and a tackle backup. So now officially offensive line six. And you get Sidarius Hutcherson who I really, really liked as a draftable player who tested really well, who I thought a good film, very surprising, get drafted. You get Hutcherson, who I think can be a backup guard for you. He's a ton of starting experience, and he's an NFL-caliber athlete, which is what you're looking for in terms of a backup out of a rookie. It's just a guy with a lot of experience, so he'll know what he's looking at. And even if he's liable or has weaknesses, that's okay. You can get away with it. Uh, and so I do like what they did in terms of offensive line depth because one reality that we don't like to talk about of Super Bowl winning teams is that usually they're just healthier than they should have been. Mm -hmm. And that was the case with the Bucs last year. Yeah. So you like your defensive tackle depth where Keenan Nunez Rochas comes back. You have Khalil Davis. Bang. Cool. You like your linebacker depth. You've had Jack Sitchie in the building for 10,000 years. You've had Kevin Minter there. Great. Like, oh, that's good. Interior offensive line depth and offensive tackle depth too needed some addressing. And I like that they got that in Hainsey and Hutcherson as well. What about biggest regret? Kyle Trask in the second round. <laughs> I know we just did this with Ian, Bo Ian Book in the fourth round, right. but that's mine as well. It's just uh, to me, it's it's. I would be stunned if Trask takes meaningful starting snaps, and by meaningful, I mean he is an impact player at quarterback at any point in his career, especially with the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, Brian Runleftwich offense. Right. <clears throat> and simply at round two, 
you're still looking for a player at quarterback or otherwise who's going to do that. And so to me, no. Yeah, the Kyle Trask pick was was tough for me because I I don't I don't really get it in any way, shape, or form. Now there's I think there's two kind of ways to look at it. You could look at it with him and Bruce Arians, which I, I don't think is a fit at all. I really don't. The type of quarterback that Bruce Arians goes for is not what strengths Kyle Trask has. He's not a big arm thrower. He he doesn't know how to zip a ball quickly into a super tight window. He he's not a high risk kind of a passer. He is an in rhythm, in structure touch pass timing kind of passer that's what Kyle Trask is he does not give you a lot with mobility only thing that he really did with his legs was convert kind of like third and short situations fourth and short situations so he's not going to be in a lot of mobility outside of the pocket and I also just I I I don't feel I I I do not feel like his style as a quarterback is is enough of where Bruce Arians is as as a coach now all of that to say Kyle Trask may never even play a single down for Bruce Arians, right? Because you figure that Bruce Arians is probably only going to be around for when Tom Brady is around. Tom Brady's probably got two years left with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't imagine Bruce Arians sticking around after Tom Brady's gone. I think that when Tom retires in two years, which I believe he will, Mm -hmm. that Bruce Arians is going to retire as well. He's going to ride off in the sunset, and he is going to want to hand the reins of the team to Byron Leftwich. That has been the way that he has spoken about Byron since the day he got there two years ago. Like, that is just, that is what he has wanted to do. He's like, Byron's a future head coach in this league. Byron's a future head coach in this league. He's he's earning his stripes as offensive coordinator right now, but I feel like that's where they're going. So perhaps, even in a best-case scenario where Tom Brady moves on, they have Kyle Trask on the roster, and they go to Kyle Trask, I, I, I actually don't even think that Bruce Arians will coach Kyle Trask when, once he becomes a starter, if he becomes a starter. I think that that's going to be Byron Leftwich. But I right. still... I don't I'm I'm not going to sit here and think that Kyle Trask is going to be the successful first quarterback to Byron Leftwich because if Byron's going to do what he's done in the past with Bruce Arians as his head coach and his mentor, then again, Kyle Trask doesn't fit what they do. He's not going to fit that kind of an offense. And if you're instead adjusting things for the first time like Byron Leftwich might be doing, do I want Kyle Trask as my adjustment quarterback for them? At this point in time, no. Could a lot change in 2 years? Sure. But I thought this second round pick would have been much better suited on a player who's going to give them an impact over the next two years. I understand that you don't just draft for right now. I get it. And Jason Light talked about how they build their draft board for two, three years out anyways. And I do respect that process. I really do. But the Bucks Boy. have been awful. <laughs> God awful. For the last 15 years. And you know what? Before that, Tony Dungy era Buccaneers that ended up winning a Super Bowl when John Gruden came in, they were also god-awful, an embarrassment of a franchise. You have Tom Brady playing at a Super Bowl level for the next two years. It will not get better than this. It won't. Sell out. Go these next two years. Do do everything you possibly can to go win another ring. It will never get better than this. Ever. Now, that's not to say that Tampa can't win another ring after Tom Brady is gone. You can. But when is it ever going to visually look this easy with the greatest quarterback to ever play the game still playing at a very high level, especially intelligence-wise, on your team right now? I'm just saying this pick could have been used a lot in, in in many better ways for a player that could contribute to the Buccaneers over the next two years because Kyle Trask is not going to. 
he's not going to contribute for this team. And I think that that's a waste of a premium top 64 kind of a selection. So there we go. That's the NFC South. That's our little recap of them. We got two more divisions that we're going to this week as we run through every single division in the NFL, putting them under a microscope, looking at their draft classes, talking about what we liked and what we didn't like. We got two more this week. We got Fan Friday at the end of the week, so make sure you guys are getting your questions ready. By the way, I got to give you guys a shout out. Got to give you guys a thanks. I challenge the good allies of the pod to ask the most questions that we've ever had on Fan Friday. And you know what? Y'all did it. Y'all absolutely did it. Yeah, I think that we had, I think in total from Instagram, from Twitter, from the premium Slack, we had like over 120, over 130 submissions. And we tried to get to as many as we could in typical Fan Friday fashion where Ben and I, of course, go off the rails and uh, get a little bit deeper into a topic than maybe we should if we're going rapid fire. But last Friday was a lot of fun. You guys asked a lot of questions. I really, really appreciate you guys getting so involved in the show. If we didn't get to your question, Best part about Fan Friday is there's always another Fan Friday at the end of the week. That's the same thing this week. Uh, we get two more draft classes that we're looking at, or two more divisions that we're looking at before then. But until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.